0: It's not bad, but it leaves a lot of good on the table. Welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 28. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films. And we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend...
1: Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis. I love movies now. That I've been doing this podcast, and I watched a movie this week. I watched Lady Hawk, and you listened to the uh, band Fun do their album yeah, good. Some Nights.
0: Nice, nice. I thought I wondered if you were just going to say you listen to Fun. <laughs> yeah, you
1: listen to Fun. <laughs> I mean, it is a good,
0: it is a good name for a band name. Yeah, it uh, is. They
1: they they chose that well. I think there's a period at the end of it too, which feels slightly more aggressive. Fun. Yeah, it does. Fun. We're going to have fun right gonna now. We're going to have fun, fun, kids. So uh, how was your week, man? My week was really good. I'm still running on a little bit of a high right now. Are you familiar with the organization Girls Rock? No. So Girls Rock is... Oh.
0: Maybe, maybe like, like girls rock. Girls kind of rock,
1: thing? yeah. Nice. So okay. uh, it's a it's basically a summer camp program where uh, five girls who have not who have either not played a rock and roll instrument before or have very limited experience with said instrument will pick up an instrument. They're, they're put together in groups of five drummer bassist guitarist keyboardist and vocalist they write a song practice it for the whole week and perform on the on the sunday at our local venue here in milwaukee turner hall ballroom a beautiful gorgeous historic uh venue in downtown milwaukee full fully produced full lights full sound uh, it's really, really fun. The families show up they they perform for probably I would say 150 people, maybe 200. Uh, it It's a really good time. so uh, today, well, so this week, my wife was a, a coach of one of the bands, 10 seconds to oh, okay. rock okay. 10 seconds to rock and then uh and then today i helped out at the performance i was uh sort of a stage technician so i switched out instruments and made sure that uh microphones were in the right place that sort of thing it was oh cool that does sound spectacular it was really really fun so i'm still on a little bit of an adrenaline high from that uh other than that my week was pretty quiet so i'm that's
0: great well use that high use it yeah, and, absolutely. And this will be one of our most exciting episodes ever. I
1: mean, here's hoping. Probably. And in two weeks, I am going to be the base coach for, for yeah. the camp. So uh, each day, uh, so they practice as a group, but then they also get individual lessons uh, mm-hmm. for one hour a day. Uh, and so I'm going to be the base coach. Is this something that is
0: nationwide, or is it just in the Milwaukee area? Or so
1: the, it is nationwide, but each of the organizations in each city is an independent group. They basically mm-hmm. like license the the iconography of it. Um, oh, I yeah, see. And, uh, and so there are and Milwaukee's is obviously the best. I actually have no idea. Um, I know that it did not start here. You could um, just say it's the best, man. I could say <laughs> I it's the best. I gave you such
0: a. I just gave you a gift. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh. <laughs>
1: So, uh, well, uh, I will say that the people who run it here are fantastic people, and I love getting to know them and sort of socially engage with those people uh, on the day. Everybody is super positive. It's just a really positive event, to be honest with you. You know, everybody is pulling for the bands. You know, obviously, some people deal with stage fright and they deal with, you know, things going wrong. Oh, I. One person, uh, you know, put the guitar strap on wrong and couldn't get herself like untangled from it, and Aww. you know, and and so you know that you go up and you fix it, and you and the show goes on. It, it's really it's really positive and uplifting, and I dug it. That is great. Did you did you mention how old uh, these girls are? The girls are between the ages of eight and I want to say 14, 14 or fifteen. Oh, they're so, so young. They're pretty young, yeah. And the band that Amy was. Uh, coaching was eight and nine year olds. So on the younger wow, side but 10 they, seconds to rock are, 10 seconds are eight to and rock. nine years old. Yeah. Really fantastic job though they did. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there, there
0: reminds me a lot of uh like a like a forty eight hour film festival type of yeah. thing where, you know and i have always wanted to do one of those i don't think i ever have and so one of these days man yeah but uh, that sounds fantastic and that's pretty much been
1: the bulk of your week huh yeah that that was the exciting part of my week uh so okay anyways uh what, what, what were you up to this week travis I mean, a bunch, actually. Now, now,
0: career-wise, things have been pretty slow. I did have an audition for a for a voiceover uh, animation thing, which was fun. And uh, the big news here in Hollywood, of course, is the start of the uh, the actors' strike. Uh, we, the actors, gave the producers an extra twelve days uh, past the expiration of our contract to come to the table with some fair uh, uh, offers. And, uh, apparently the producers just used that time to, uh, so they could promote their summer movies more. Uh, and they did almost nothing new as far as negotiating. So it was a real, like, uh, jerking us around type of thing. And so we called a strike. I, uh, I had been on the picket line a couple of times to support the writers' strike. Mm -hmm. And uh, the writers, I I know many, many great writers who are part of the Writers Guild of America, and I was out there supporting them because it's important, and I saw their needs very uh, reflected in our needs as actors. You know, things dealing with um, a lot of streaming issues that we let go when streaming became a thing that now we're like, obviously streaming is the future, it's, if it's not profitable, you need to figure that out. But while things are streaming, you need to pay us our fair share of that. And, uh, and also the use of AI in the future. If we don't negotiate that now in three years, it'll be too late. Given, I mean, given how fast things are moving, yeah. Uh, the the big thing was uh, Friday was our first actual picketing day uh, mm-hmm. for the start of the strike. So I went to Disney and was walking around the Disney lot. I bought Coco with me, and uh, <laughs> she did great. She met a lot of people. There were other puppies there too, and she met. Uh, she met a lot of people. She was very sweet. Everybody was super nice. And at one point, I was talking with Ben Schwartz, who is an actor, uh, a comedy actor, does amazing improv stuff, and also was a star of um, uh, Parks and Rec and some other stuff. He's the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. And um, so I was chatting with him briefly, and Deadline, which is the big one of the couple of big websites that covers Hollywood, was there filming us nice and in their tweet of that video they actually say ben schwartz and travis ritchie talking at the picket line sweet and i'm like wow it's it's like it was just very kind of surreal and um the other interesting thing that happened a couple of things coco related is that we went to a friend's uh pool party and i bought her along and brought her along and she got in the pool kind of a little bit by herself but also like with my help and she loved it and so that's sweet it's she had already displayed some acumen with taking baths and not being hugely uh bothered by by that and so for her to get in the pool and swim around a little bit and uh was really cool for me to see and i like that she was a water dog you know that she enjoyed water at least
1: We should probably get into it, huh? Yeah, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the the meat. Yes. All right. You want to shake things up and do the, uh, let's do the music first? Sure. Fun is a band. No. (laughs) The end. The end. Let's score. No. Um... Fun is a band that had a very, very popular album called Some Nights, and it's what I assigned to you. All of these musicians uh, came from other projects, and they were really, really big in the late 2000s, early 2010s uh, Brooklyn music scene, which was a very fertile scene. Um, Interpol came out of that, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, uh, a couple other bands that I have mentioned to you uh, over over time. Uh, and this album was a was a really massive hit. Nate Roos is the lead singer of the band, and he has a pretty fantastic voice. Um, he did a, he did a pretty high profile du- duet with Pink, uh, that also did hmm. very well. I probably should have given you that song as well. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah, I probably should have given you that as well because it's a really lovely song, and we're probably not going to get any other opportunity to hear it. Um, oh. Well, I give you permission to just send it to me separately. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, The guitarist from Fun is Jack Antonoff, who uh, since the, since the ending of the project fund has gone on to be a very, very successful pop music producer. Oh,
0: right. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. He
1: works with, uh, Taylor Swift amongst, uh, many other sort of pop songstresses and also has a new project called Bleachers, which is really, really good and which I may assign to you at some point. But this album uh, went multi-platinum, very, very popular album. It's, I, the thing about it that is interesting, and I'm sure you'll talk about this, is that it is a very, very heavily produced album. Um, that you know, in the ni- the '90s were all about authenticity, and then there was sort of this like pop music kind of took over from like rock, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when uh, when this album came out, there was sort of that like selling out authenticity battles still going on and i feel like this album and the popularity of it really kind of laid to rest an entire era of music where it was like oh we you know we come from a garage and we play like gritty guitars and you know white stripes mm-hmm. and and um uh and the the strokes and that's jack white that's jack white yeah um yeah. And, no thing. and so and so, I feel like this album really like ushered in a new era of like guitar pop rock, uh, and so I really wanted you to hear it because it is a really fantastic album uh, with a lot of variety, some really really big hits on it, a lot of emotion. I really dig it. What did you think?
0: Uh, so I, it is a uh, a really good album. I. Um, I will say that I did recognize a couple of the songs, the first uh, three songs, not counting the intro. Um, Some Nights, We Are Young, and Carry On were so huge. And they came out, this came out, what, 2012, you said? Yeah, 2012. Yeah. So round about 2013, I bought a new, or I leased a new car, uh, a Ford C-Max that I loved. And it came with... Uh, some number of months, I think a year maybe, of free XM radio, because okay. it was built into the car. And uh, at about the same time, I started dating Matthew, my ex, and so we listened to a lot of XM radio, and we listened to the Top Hits mm-hmm. album. You know, so so that year, I was exposed to a lot of the top hits of, okay. of, of of that time, and these were among them. So I very much, I haven't heard them since about then, but I did definitely recognize them. I had a lot of fun listening to this album and it was it definitely definitely produced and you compared them last week to Queen mm-hmm. and I definitely can see where that comparison comes from. Yeah. It almost felt like they were trying to be Queen and not just any Queen, but like specifically um bohemian rhapsody yeah like every song wanted to be bohemian rhapsody mm-hmm. with a um but also mixed with a little uh two like uh angsty like anthem for the for this generation mm-hmm. type of sound right yeah we are angry we are this is what we're here to to say yeah and we have a point yeah and here's what um here's what kind of bugged me and there, there was a phrase that i heard this week and i don't remember the context of it i wanted to write it down i didn't but i do remember what it was and it was the idea that it's not bad but it leaves a lot of good on the table
1: oh interesting
0: yeah and i think that that when i heard that when i heard that phrase and I again i don't remember the context but i was like oh that fits very well into my thoughts on this album because uh Every All the parts of it are fantastic. The, the, the composition, uh, the energy, the passion that you talked about is all here. The lead guy sings very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a great voice. Maybe not Freddie Mercury great, but really, really mm-hmm. good. And I, the, the, the sound quality, the tonal quality um, is pleasant to listen to. And so why, in two of these songs, do they switch to autotune?
1: All of a sudden, yeah. So I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna call this out. But here's the thing. This is actually the the point that I was trying to make. Right? Is uh-huh. that you know, uh, ten years prior, right? You would never ever audibly use autotune in like a in like a rock song, right? Because you know we're authentic. Like I mean, it Cher was... in you know. Well, okay. Share is a very special case. It, yes, she is. You know pop rock royalty, you but like
0: believe in love love,
1: yes, thank you for reminding us of the most notable early use of autotune, okay, there you go. but one, that was an early use of autotune, and I don't think anybody is concerned about share maintaining authenticity, right, which is what which is what I'm talking about here is like for rock bands to audibly use autotune in this yeah. context, it feels like. Uh, you know, if you're if what you're concerned about is making sure that like the cool kids like you, you would never use Audible Auto Tune. But fun does and they use it musically, right? They use it to like arpeggiate vocals and to give some movement to the vocals. You're absolutely right. Nate Roos has a fantastic voice. Right, and, exactly. And so it's not
0: to save his voice, right. for sure. It's t- that's obvious. It's
1: another element of the production. And 10 years ago, you never would have used it because people would have just been like, oh, that's gross, it's auto-tuned, it's, you know, right? I still feel like it's kind of gross. I I
0: really felt jarred uh, out of the listening experience when it, when it happened, and I kept on thinking, why, why, why? It was no reason for it to happen. Um, and, and it felt it felt unauthentic you know in in that way and i don't i don't know i i don't know why they chose to include it when it felt and, and it didn't seem like it fit the song either the song which was kind of this like anthem especially the first night what what was the first one that it's on it's uh is it some nights or I is it very young i
1: believe it's on oh gosh i can i couldn't tell you I'm i
0: think sorry. it's some nights i yeah. think it's some nights uh and it's towards the end of the song and uh, all of a sudden, there's the, there's this weird like riffing, and I'm like I'm like you could do most of that with your voice, and it would sound great, but here it sounds fake. When the rest of the song is kind of this great like like you've got these awesome drums and great guitar work and all this wonderful voice uh, vocal work, and um and the energy level is so high, and then all of a sudden you throw in this, it's like it's like. <laughs> Did you ever you saw Titanic when it came out, right? Uh three or four times, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. A famously a a wonderful James Horner score that was performed without an orchestra. Yeah. Like it was almost all done with a keyboard and 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 you can hear it. And it's like you listen to Titanic versus a few years earlier with the Braveheart score and Braveheart feels it's the same guy and a lot of the same style and just braveheart sounds so much better and richer and and realer and this is suffering from that same kind of thing to me it's a little gripe it's it's not a huge gripe Mm -hmm. i'll say that the the album is still a lot of fun to listen to and um and i i think i went through the whole thing three times oh wow so you know yeah that's not a common thing for me no and uh so yeah it just but but then And it wasn't just the – when it happened once, I was like, okay, that's a one-off, like – Someone had an idea and then they did it again later on. I don't even remember the song. It's they one of the quiet.
1: On. It's one of the quieter songs that's just sort of like floating along and then it like. Yeah. And I'm like, why, 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 why? I think it's I. to me, it's just using another instrument that's available to you. Right. It's turning the voice into like a synthesized instrument. I mean, if I wanted to get artsy, right, I could say like it's breaking down the barriers between human and artificial or and you know, talking about the conflict inherent in that. I mean, after all, every, you know, major label-produced album from 2000 on uses autotune. Every single sure. one of them. Um, yeah. I, I want you to know, Travis, that, like, I have access to autotune now, right? Like, oh. yeah, like in the home studio, you can get, well, I know. you can buy something Matthew, for 20 I, bucks I've... that, sure. that, that gives you access to Auto Tune, and you can take your vocals and write. It's not necessarily a matter of doing something super obvious like this or like what T Pain does, but, but just kind of putting just it back on, making tune sure just that slightly... it's like bang on, right? Yeah, and I know. Um, and every single album does this, and they all pretend not to, right? They all pretend, right. oh, we're naturalistic, we're we're real, right? And this goes the other way and says. You know, yeah, I have a great voice, but also this is artificial. This is this experience is fundamentally mediated by computers and by the producer and by the recording engineer. Yep. It, uh, it was
0: obviously a deliberate choice. I just didn't like that deliberate choice.
1: Could you tell that I was definitely prepared for this conversation, Travis? Yeah, absolutely. And I am
0: so glad. I'm glad that you had this uh, plugged in, which uh, that's that's great. And, and and I like also that you're starting to know me and be like
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't always know what you're gonna latch on to, but I was like, this one this is gonna this is gonna ring his bell right here. <laughs> <laughs> Did
0: it, it rung it. It rung it so hard. Uh.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I
0: so that was one thing that I didn't like. But otherwise Otherwise, in a general way, I felt that um, I felt that they were trying very hard to be meaningful. Yeah, in a in a in a bit of an unauthentic way. Like, it, it, oh, it, I think
1: like, this is so sincere, right? Like, this is hmm. they like. You remember the tragedy of our generation is like irony, right? Irony wrapped up in sarcasm, wrapped up in irony to the point where nobody knows, like nobody can interact with one another authentically anymore because uh, I I remember there's there's a bit in The Simpsons where um, Homer's getting hit in the stomach with a cannonball and, and then two kids in the Lollapalooza audience are like... Dude, that's awesome. And the other kid goes, dude, are you being sarcastic? And the first kid says, I don't even know anymore. Know. <laughs> <laughs> right? And like, and so to go from that generational like stance that we had and to take this younger generation who's like, no, I'm going to absolutely wear my heart on my sleeve. I want to make big music that makes you care and feel emotion and real genuine emotion. Like this is cheesy music. But I feel huh. like in a really, like, great way. It's like, the, its heart is on its sleeve. There's no, there. there's no subtlety. But like, there's the song It Gets Better, right? Which is yeah. like, which is like tagging like directly on the, you know, Dan Savage's It Gets Better movement, right? Yeah, yeah. And the funny yeah. thing is, is... Which just, I
0: actually did one of the first videos for. I
1: remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And... Um, and then in Jack Antonov's band, Bleachers, their, um, their first big hit was I Want to Get Better, right? Mm. It, was, it, was like, it was sort of a continuation of that whole theme. Um, so, yeah. So, but you're, you're absolutely right. Like, this is cheesy, and it can feel inauthentic. And I, I want to say, especially to people raised in our generation who are so steeped in, like, emotional armor—
0: yeah I can see that and I think for me it was mainly the comparison to Queen that did it because right. Queen feels so just um brilliant mm-hmm. uh and almost effortlessly brilliant mm-hmm. and this felt this felt effortful right yeah. maybe that's what the yeah. maybe that's the deal and uh that doesn't mean it wasn't brilliant or 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 at least very very good mm-hmm. um I just you could kind of hear the hear the trying yeah and um eh, you know the doesn't it? Doesn't it's not gonna hurt. It's not gonna hurt too much for for points.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're almost out of time to talk about music, but I did want to mention a couple things. Mo, uh, the thing that I find most inauthentic about their this band is that they are not technically broken up, even though they haven't oh, yeah. done anything uh, since twenty fifteen. I mentioned this last week as well, but they haven't done anything since twenty fifteen. Jack Antonoff is off being a rich uh producer and has his own band and the other two are also busy doing other things and they swear that there's no bad blood there, but I think I think I would lay money on there never being another fun album and there never being a reunion. Do they have more than one album or is this pretty much there, it? There is a previous uh EP or album. I'm not I'm uh-huh. not sure but this is this is like the one.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I mean, no need to have a, re- a revival or a, or a no. What what, what a band a re- comes together A, reu- what is a reunion. A reunion. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Uh, wait, for only one album.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, album. I mean, don't get me wrong. If like somebody gambles all their money away, I'm sure they'll you know try to try to get a reunion together, and I'm sure it would be very popular. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, the I don't think it's gonna happen. They all swear there's no bad blood there, but I think sure, you know sure. a- actions do speak louder than words. Uh yeah, yeah, they're all doing they're all doing their thing. Um ha- have you seen
0: uh apropos of that? Have you seen the uh show Girls 5 Ever? No. It's on, I think, Peacock, and it's uh, produced uh, by Tina Fey, and it's basically about a girl band, more like the Spice Girls, okay. who try to who try to come back and reunite, mm-hmm. and it's hysterical. Huh. Uh, I wish it wasn't behind a paywall, but um... so, uh, do you want me to rate first? Or I you?
1: absolutely want you to rate first.
0: I think I'm gonna give it a, a seven. Uh, it was really very good. Oh, a is that seven
1: too, too low? I feel, well, I, I I guess you seemed very positive about it. I I'm here's, curious here's what gets why. something would above have been a seven for you. It would have
0: been an it would have been an eight. Um, not all the songs on the album are uh, are super stellar. Uh, some of them are, uh, I might say, a little boring. And um, uh, the the. You could listen to this album and the first three songs alone would take you through and they would be a nine for me. Okay. And uh then I'm gonna I, I just took off one point for the songs that weren't that mm-hmm. were kind of boring mm-hmm. and then and then one point for the auto tune. One point for the autotune.
1: Well, I'm just gonna auto tune that back back up to an eight. So I guess you gave it one an eight. Point, I- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a nine for me. I, I was tempted to give this a 10, but I'm going to, but I'm going to give it a nine. Um, great. I, it's funny because we've had quite a bit of, of conversation about like my top 10, top 20 albums. And I was like, where does this fit in? Uh, and does it you know is it a top 10 album for me and the answer is is not quite i i would agree the back half of the album is not as strong as the front half but i think that does speak to more to how good the front half is rather yeah. than than the second Absolutely. half not well like i said the front
0: half it. is super strong yeah. and um and i and i think there's a difference too between some of the other albums that i've rated so highly like uh Florence and the Machine um which like i've se- or or what was it um uh ACS no AJR uh and uh and and, and there is a difference between that um that brilliance kind of like Shakespeare Mozart level like kind of genius in 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 being a, a band um and this is not quite that for me sure this right. is competent that is totally very fair.
1: good but uh
0: but yeah, I think a seven is a fair, that, nice high score. Huh?
1: Yeah, it's fair. I, I yeah. just, from what you had said, I thought it was going to be just a little bit higher, but that's all right. So, okay. would you like to talk about the movie, Travis?
0: I absolutely would. You know what? I This was a, a thing, a movie that I didn't really think about uh, much in, in the formation of this show. And uh, I had you watch Lady Hawk, which is a 1985 medieval fantasy film uh, directed by Richard Donner, who he uh, directed this, and uh, he also did um, The Lost Boys, great vampire movie from the 80s. And this movie stars Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer and Matthew Broderick, and it's a it's a it's a it's a touching. It's a it's a love story, and it's about these two people who are in love, and uh, and they're cursed by the bishop, who also loves the girl and is jealous, and so he curses them so that at night he is a the the Rückerhauer is a wolf, and during the day Michelle Pfeiffer is a is a hawk, and they are uh, it, for, it, for, together forever, but eternally apart, and uh, and then. Uh, Matthew Broderick comes into the story and he is basically the key to unlock the curse. And I loved this movie as a kid and probably hadn't seen it in maybe 15 years. And uh, I just remembered, I mentioned last week, the score is one of the things that stands out for good or for bad about this movie. And I will say, when I started watching this again, that... (laughs) soundtrack is so ridiculous and amazing that like you're just watching it and it, it it starts with kind of like cool like synthesized like fantasy music and then you get into this drums and like very 80s like it could be a theme song to a like magnum pi or something and then you get this electric guitar that just comes in minutes in where it's like you're it's long past it's it's time but all of a sudden you're like meow, 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 meow. and the grin on my face matthew uh the serotonin that flooded into my body <laughs> as i was watching this was uh, was palpable uh I, I it's there's so much to say about this movie that i love and um the I think the special effects are impressive for the day. The cinematography is beautiful. I think the biggest crime uh against the world today might be that this movie is not available to stream in high definition because it is so beautifully shot and um and 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 so much effort clearly went into making it look amazing that um that it, it, I wish it were available um in HD or or 4K. So Anyway, um, I just I it held up for me. That's all I'll say. I really loved watching it, and the cheese that is part of it is was not nearly as bad as I thought. You know, I felt it could have aged much worse than it did, and uh, I thought that the stuff that was great was still great. And um, yeah, Uh, what did you think?
1: Uh, well I had a, this was this movie was a real mixed bag for me. Um I you know what uh, let's start with the soundtrack. So I did enjoy the 80s-ness of the soundtrack. I honestly wanted more of it. Like there are times hmm. when the soundtrack when the 80s synthesizer soundtrack drops away and we get sort of a much more traditional stringy orchestra soundtrack and I'm like no no come come back. Like that's oh, okay. I want I want like it, it felt a little bit inconsistent right like i wanted mm. i wanted that through the whole thing like if 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 what we're doing is like going bah, 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 i want that to be my cue that we're going to have some action now all the sure. way through the movie it was movie.
0: mainly just used for the kind of the big actiony
1: yeah you know, know but like
0: emotion moment
1: yeah so so for me i just wanted that that sort of fun 80s soundtrack to to go through the whole thing right uh Just because, like, okay, that's the choice you made, then, like, stick with it. Um, Yeah, the cinematography is beautiful. The animal work in this movie is very impressive. I don't know that you would be able to do that today. Right. It would
0: be CGI animals all all over the place. It would be
1: CGI animals all over the place, and not because any of it's abusive, although there is a horse fall in this movie, which they don't do anymore. Right. Um right, but, but, but like none of it's abusive or anything. do you know was there an animatronic wolf for some of the stuff? Do you know? I I feel, I feel like some well, of the close I do ups know that they had the several, or or puppetry or something. oh, uh, I don't for, think so. they had real wolves uh oh they're they definitely for, were. Real they're definitely I know the hawks were real, but i I, right, I think but they had several some real of the ones. I think some of the close ups on the wolves might have been like. Uh, puppetry or animatronic or something—that's possible. But I uh, never pegged any of it being fake-looking. No, not in this n- day
0: and age. Yeah. I feel like it would have. Yeah, um, um, I think it's actually just cheaper to have a real wolf snarl than. Mm. You know,
1: yeah. Anyways, um. So, so the animal work was was really good. Matthew Broderick was really really effective in this. For Um, his age, he was. This was pre-Ferris Bueller for him. This was pre-Ferris Bueller. So I did have that comment about Biloxi Blues, but Biloxi Blues was way after. Biloxi Blues was like two years after Ferris Bueller. So this is this is his first big role prior to. Uh, Ferris Bueller. I cannot believe how big his role is in this. Like yeah. when you introduced this movie to me, I thought this was like Rucker Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer with a little sprinkling of Matthew Broderick. Matthew oh, yeah. Broderick carries this movie and is yeah. the main character for right. large portions of it. He
0: has to be because when 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 half when the other two people are only available half the time each, you have to have a connecting
1: character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, so I really liked all of that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. You know, some of the dialogue's a little clunky. Uh, <laughs> some of the action uh, doesn't make... Like, I, I'm thinking specifically of, like, the big action scene at the end where there's, like, a big fight in the hall with all the extras standing around looking bored because maybe it's, like, the eighth <laughs> time they've seen the horses go through the list today or whatever. <laughs> I... I think it was pretty clear that they were all given the instruction to like stand still. We've got like very large horses here and you know they're going to be in front of you with no protection. So please don't oh, please yeah. don't spook the horses cuz in a real situation where there's like a battle going on in front of you, you'll probably do something like duck behind a Something or or right. run out of the or room, run away. or or <laughs> yell, or I. But there there's just like all these extras standing around being like still and silent, and that really kind of it took away from the action of that last scene for me because I'm like, oh, interesting. I was like, guys, there's a battle going on in front of you, right? And I understand from a filmmaking standpoint why that why they were just sort of standing there, but huh. from a like pulling me out of the scene standpoint. I I did not love that. Um, I imagine that in that day
0: and age, they would have, uh, were you in that situation? You're probably faced with either one of two things. One, it's people who are high above your, your station doing their thing and you just cannot interfere or, or two, you got to wait and see whose side you're on because Mm -hmm. One of these guys is going to win, and that's the guy you're going to root for, and yeah. you just don't know who it is yet.
1: I thought it was really interesting how they dressed the good guy in black and the bad guy in white.
0: Yes, I thought about that too. I that was such a like a, a departure from
1: kind of the norm, even yeah. in that day of filming. Well, you know, yeah, and and I think I feel like it's justified by the story, right? Because. To the bishop, which is the leader of like the you know I guess civilization, this is right. the bad guy, right? Yes. This is the guy that has been cast out and and is evil, right? Yeah. And so of course he's dressed in black. But uh, so so really really good points for that. I will say this movie, the best part of this movie is the plot. Right, the curse is very interesting. Right, it's an interesting way to curse someone. These people are for together forever, but also apart. And the fact that they are quote unquote mindless animals uh, mm. during their their time as an animal, I think, is really interesting. Right, it's not like they're conscious during their time. Right,
0: uh, they don't does, get to. It, they don't get
1: to feel like they're. They together. don't get to feel like they're together. Um, I will say that the movie plays a little fast and loose with this concept, right? Because the mindless animal wolf is also extremely protective of, you know, Matthew Broderick and Michelle Pfeiffer. And, and the hawk is very, very attached to this dude, yeah. but just in a mindless hawk kind of way, I guess. Well, instinctually, I don't know. maybe, Sure, you know? sure. Or, or tr- very, as a trained animal or whatever, right? Like, I, I'm not going to read it super hard for that, but, like, I'm just saying, like, it's a mindless animal, except when we kind of need them to stay together, you know, <laughs> like, like that's all. Um, so, yeah. It's part
0: of the curse, too, right? That they are it's together part of the curse. forever.
1: Oh, really? Oh, okay. It's oh. Yeah.
0: Together forever, eternally apart is kind of the thing that they say. Right, and, yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. Um, And so, uh, you know, I guess all of the story about the the Bishop and Michelle Pfeiffer and Rucker Hauer is all just sort of told. uh, It's not even told in flashback. It's just like exposition told from one character to another. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess there were enough slow parts of this movie that I would have rather just seen that depicted. (laughs) You know? Hmm. Um, uh, From a story structure standpoint, it feels weird to have, like, some pretty slow sections in the middle of the movie and then you talk about all this exciting stuff that happened back in the day, right? Uh, I mean, it wasn't
0: really exciting, though. It wasn't... It was was intrigue.
1: Okay, intriguing stuff that was happening. I guess... Um, the, you know, it, ha- it has kind of a it has a very mid 80s pacing problem that is super duper common. Like Conan the Barbarian had this where mm. there's just like a big section of the middle of that movie that you're like, why is this here? And and I, I, I watched just...
0: Conan recently and I agree with you on that, although yeah. I do think that it, it wasn't as bad here. For whatever reason, I think right. that reason might be Matthew Broderick. Yeah, um,
1: um, yeah, his character is really fun, really interesting. I think the introduction to his character is really good. They they plant a lot of seeds that are that you get a payoff at the end of the movie when he's breaking back into the castle. I really liked all of that. Um, you know, I a lot of the dialogue's kind of clunky. There, Michelle Pfeiffer does not have a lot to do here. Um, but I, but this is early enough in her career that I don't think people realized that she could carry a movie at this point. They, they were kind of hiring her as a pretty face and treating her as such. Right. And that is kind of how she's treated here. Um, Rucker Hauer is pretty significantly older than Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Matthew Broderick is only four years younger than Michelle Pfeiffer, Oh, and wow. Rucker, Rucker, I didn't even Hauer, yeah, look into that. Th- I looked into it because I was kind of struck by, like, they were talking about this stuff with the bishop as if it was, like, in the distant past. And I was like, she's, like, 26. Right. Yeah. Um, and and presumably, she's. I mean, that's not terribly unusual in that day and age either. No, so. no, I know. But, like, Matthew Broderick's, like, 22, and Rucker Howard is, like, 38, 42? Yeah, 42. Yeah. 42, I think, hot, is what it pretty
0: was. Pretty hot, 42, though. Yeah, he's a good-looking
1: dude. Yeah, good looking I, dude. Rucker Hauer is sort of famous in my household for a you know the series of like really atrocious straight-to-DVD movies that he made oh, yeah. in, uh, from from around the time of Lady Hawk into the well into the 90s. My dad used to love watching Rucker Hauer movies, and I don't think he even realized it. He just chose these like terrible, terrible movies to watch, and somehow yeah. Rucker Howard would always pop up, which is oh. funny because he's. Quite a good actor, right? Yeah, he like he's yeah. so believable and so good and you know, I mean, I prefer him as a bad guy than a good guy, right? but like he's he's a good actor i you mean
0: know? and and I don't know this isn't a this isn't a, uh, a, a genre classic, I guess, but um, you know, you got this, and you got uh, Blade Runner where mm-hmm. he's doing some really amazing work and uh, yeah. yeah it's it's a shame that he wasn't bigger than he was, I suppose, yeah, but
1: I mean, you know, there's no, you know, we have this tendency to think that actors can just, like, choose what they want and and craft their career, but a lot of times it's, you know, what's the script on the table in front of you? Way beyond your control. Way beyond your control. And and sometimes the script comes along that looks, like, terrible, and, and a director or a production company elevates the material, and, you know, you end up, you know, with... Something like this, which could have easily been, you know, atrocious, and instead is, I want to say, pretty good. You know, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're you're definitely getting the the nostalgia bump from this, but this is this is definitely worth watching. Absolutely, yeah. but yeah, I would, yeah, you know,
0: you're you're right, and I and I will admit that this may I might be getting a lot of nostalgia from this, but it's uh, oof, it hits me hard. I'm gonna uh, give it then... I'm
1: gonna give it one I'm gonna call it one thing and specific that i really loved yep. the first time that michelle pfeiffer changes from a human to a hawk in front of the camera is when she's like falling and then there's an effect sequence that's sort of edited together and it's awesome it's really cool it throws in these little flashes of different things and yeah it, it's not like you ever see her body changing from human To hawk, but it gets the point across in a really artful way. That if it was just like a CGI morphing, would be completely emotionless. And instead, it's like one of the most affecting things in the movie. And purely through editing. Purely through editing, and I really, really, I really, really dug that because it's it because I because to me it stood out as a moment that would have been hurt by modern. Techniques,
0: technology. Yeah. yeah, there's another point where uh, there, where the two, the two of them are in uh, laying together, and and they almost touch as she is transitioning into a uh, a hawk, and he is transitioning into a human from from being a wolf, and uh, the they're is some like dissolves there but mostly it's editing and and there's a little bit of like light painting on her on her knuckles Mm -hmm. to 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 show that some magic is going on but mostly it's editing and it's so beautiful uh that's one of the things i really like about about this uh about that movie too that i i do i will say the science guy in me is a little bugged about the whole uh the solar eclipse science of it and also that they the the phrase that they use the kind of the magical phrase that they use is a day without a night a night without a day which doesn't explain a, a solar eclipse at all uh, but whatever you're trying to be I feel like if I were a writer I could have come up with a better way to, uh, to write that like yeah. special line but yeah. uh, I live with it. I deal with it. I still love the way uh, the way like the 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 bishop says, uh, you know, uh, it is our difficult times, Ma and like it, his lines are all so bad, but the way he delivers them is so like juicy, and yeah. uh, her name is is about like the
1: way she <laughs> says those lines is like oh okay <sighs> yeah i gotta right. admit i i didn't love uh the bishop I, because i didn't th- either he's not a fun actor like, but he's so yeah, like there, well and there, i just you know like the whole plot is thrown into motion by his curse right he consorts with dark forces and there was a curse right but then he doesn't do any more consorting with dark forces he's just kind no, of a real jerk true. And I, yeah. I like I I wanted him to whip you out his. only have one like,
0: soul, man. How many yeah, times
1: can you sell it? I wanted him to whip out his magic, and and throw it around it, it a little be, bit. You uh, wanted
0: to be the, the bad guy from Aladdin.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted it yeah. to be Jafar. So, um, anyways. All right, all right. What, go ahead. Well, no. Do we have do we have anything else? Should we move on to ratings? I know. No, we're I will a say it was fun.
0: Dis- I didn't realize that Alfred Molina's role was kind of so tiny. He plays this 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 creepy hunter guy who's going to yeah. go catch the wolf and uh, yeah, it was only, cool to see him.
1: Yeah, it was really cool to see him. I like looked him up right away. Oh my God, that's Alfred Molina. Uh, but then there was not, they didn't really do anything with him. It was no, he wasn't, sad. he wasn't terribly uh, uh, threatening. I mean, if I was going to cut one thing from this movie, I probably would have cut Alfred Molina's appearance. A little unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did love the, uh, the, the, the friar though.
0: Uh, I don't remember what his he name was. He was really, uh, the furious, really the old good. The monk. Yeah, yeah, he was really, I really good. liked
1: him. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, well, go ahead. Let's uh, if you're ready, let's get a rating.
1: Yeah. So like I said, I, there's a lot to like about this movie, but a lot that I didn't like it. I want to mm. say this is probably about average, but because I like you and I know that you love this movie, I'm gonna give it a six. Okay. I think that's... I think I think if I wasn't giving it the Travis bump here, it would be a five. But Oof, but I'm okay. gonna give I'm gonna give it a six.
0: I I do wish you had liked it more, but I understand that you. Uh, I understand. I guess. Um, <laughs> I I I'm still trying to peg down what you like, and I feel like I thought this was gonna this was gonna hit you a little bit better, especially when there it, were parts um, of
1: this that honestly, the first 45 minutes of this movie, I was really really into, which kind of focused okay. on Matthew Broderick and his character. Oh man, the scene uh, where it kind of gets Howard away. Is, it, it,
0: the, yeah. the scene where the horse is dancing down through the cathedral, like this mm-hmm. uh, giant freaking Frisian uh, horse stallion. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so um, it's a nine for me. It holds okay. up. I love it. I, I, I will watch it again as soon as it's available uh, in high definition somewhere. <laughs> uh, li- just a crime that it's not. Um, so hopefully fix that world, fix that Hollywood, put that in the contract negotiations, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, all right uh w- we don't have much time
1: yeah wga goes on strike to save lady hawks hd edition
0: exactly that's sag afters primary demand yeah. so uh all right well so it's a six from you and a nine from me yep. what do we got for next week next week
1: uh have you ever heard of the band the new pornographers i have heard of them really the, yeah Oh my gosh. Just the name, just oh. the name. Well, it's a great name. But uh, the yeah. the new pornographers is a, a name quote, that sticks in your head. It is a quote-unquote indie supergroup composed of Nico Case, Dan Behar, and a bunch of other people. Um, this is my favorite album of theirs. It's one of their early ones. I think it's their second, might be their third, but I think it's their second album. It's called Electric Version. There are Eleven amazing tracks on this album. I love it front to back. Unfortunately, there are thirteen tracks on it, and there's no. just a, there's just a, <laughs> no I'm just, there's a couple that aren't quite as good, right? That, yeah, I just uh, love but that this intro. Is, But you had said uh, that you you wanted me to give you more of my top ten albums, and this is one of my top ten albums. So. Um, uh, my favorite track on it is probably from Blown Speakers but there's honestly there are like there's so many so many good uh tracks on here. righty. Uh, I really really love it. So Well, I look forward to it. Uh especially I live in a
0: place where the real pornographers live uh, in the San Fernando Valley, so uh congratulations. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to listen to your uh, your pick. Um so here's your, here's my question for you. Do you want a departure or do you want to stay on theme for this okay. next uh Oh, gosh. Um, Let's stay on theme. All right. Well, then I'm going to give you, finally, Legend. We've teased it. We have... uh we have said that it's coming, and yeah. here it is. Yeah. Legend is the 1980, I think, five movie starring uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, it's a it's another fantasy uh, movie. It's a love story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Cruise is a is a is a like a fairy boy. Like I don't know what. It, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to describe this movie. He's like he lives in the he lives in the he's a forest boy, not a not a fairy boy. He's a forest boy. There are fairies in this movie uh and there are unicorns and uh Tim Curry plays uh plays darkness mm-hmm. like the physical embodiedness of darkness which is essentially the devil okay. and oh he's amazing uh there's something that connects this besides the time and that is that the soundtrack was originally done by a a well-known uh soundtrack you know, composer, but the studio changed it at the last minute to be, uh, and they hired Tangerine Dream to do a very 80s score, nice. which is infuses the entire uh, movie. So uh, oh, I good. think you complained a bit about the score, the 80sness. Mm -hmm. dropping out for lady hawk that won't be a problem here won't be a problem here awesome and uh i this is great this movie does have a lot of uh fantasy elements but it it has kind of some of the same magic that a jim henson movie has except no puppets it's just all real and it was directed by ridley scott so it's got some directing cred behind it yeah yeah absolutely i'm interested
1: to see what you think uh this could
0: go any way
1: I'm re- I'm really curious about this one. Cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, but before we go, we should remind people. Oh just yeah, we because, should remind
1: people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. that they uh, that they you know, and you you know, you could put some music. A, a little music bed under this if you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and as I say, uh, if you want to tell us what you thought of uh, the movie that we listened to or the movie that we watched or the band that we listened to, you can do that by emailing us at uh, exposing oursel- ourselves, exposing ourselves podcast at gmail.com or finding us on Facebook at exposing ourselves and uh, commenting there. We would love to hear from you and uh, hopefully we will. So,
1: well, uh, Travis, yeah. Thank you for exposing yourself to me.
0: Matthew, thank you for exposing yourself to me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, too. Have a good week. You too, man. Thanks.